bringing us back another evening, another time here today. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be looking at Acts um, chapter 18, verses 23, to start at verse 23 down to 1941. We're not going to read all the verses, but we're going to actually just get into some of those verses within the text. Again, looking at Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 23. Yeah, I guess 24, I'm sorry. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and been fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross Achaia, Achaia is in the area of Corinthians. The brother encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. Verse 19, chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inlands, the country, and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, And to what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John the baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Then we see in verses 12 uh, all the way down to about verse 21, we hear the sons of Sceva. We're going to hear about them here shortly. These sons of Sceva wanted the actual gifts that Paul had. And they tried to misuse them, and God um, judged them for that. Then also we'll hear about the riot of Ephesus in the rest of chapter 19. I mean 19. Uh, yeah, the rest of 19 is going to be the, the statue of Artemis. We talked about this past Wednesday. So let me pray for us, and let's kind of walk through these verses here together, the test here together. Our Father God, Lord, we thank you for bringing us back on this Lord's Day. We, Lord, we're with your people. We're in your word. What better place to be? So, Lord, we ask you to dwell in us richly, Lord, your word. Build us up right now. Let your word, Lord, be planted deeply in us. That we can walk in these truths here today. For all of my heart is carrying and the weakness that I have going on, Lord, give me the strength that is needed so I can preach your word faithfully. Your people are here. They want to hear your word, Lord. 
So let me give them the word they can come here to listen to. So that let me preach faithfully. And they can leave this place, Lord, hearing a word from you from your word. So, Lord, let me preach your word with fervent, um, uh, with, 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 with all that you have given to me, all of my, my the, the fervent study, everything I have put in this past week, Lord, with your help. Lord, let me bring it all out right now, Lord, as I bring it before your people. And let your people, Lord, be encouraged. Let your people, Lord, respond in a way of grace, knowing that God has given them more grace to endure again and again and again. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us at this time and help us. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. One of the famous um, martial arts gods that ever lived was a guy named Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee influenced so many people like Jackie Chan. So many martial arts God learned so much from Bruce Lee. If you guys gave me some time, I can show you a couple of my moves, what I learned from Bruce Lee. But y'all not giving enough time for that. But Alina does have her black belt. I don't know if you guys know. So Alina has some martial arts background. So to keep me in line, um, Alina has a black belt. So I can't get too far out of line. But one thing about it is that Jackie Chan learned a lot from studying the videos and movies of Bruce Lee. But a lot of times, we focus so much on Bruce Lee, but it's another guy that actually is said to be the one that influenced and trained Bruce Lee. It's a guy named Ip Man. Ip Man was a one, I don't know if you ever saw Ip Man 1, 2, and 3. Um, Ip Man was um, a very, very skilled martial arts guy. He was able to do things so quick in a way that nobody has ever seen before in amazing fashion. So it man influenced Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee influenced God like Jackie Chan. The reason why I bring that up is that's a beautiful picture of a form of discipleship. You like that, don't you, boy? And this beautiful form of discipleship. Discipleship is the word math thesis. It actually was a word that you would use as it was in Greek culture, as someone learned from someone else. And so it man was like discipling the ways of martial arts to Bruce Lee. And I can go ahead and go back in, in a way of, I know Miss Lisa is one of the head um, officials and administrator in Star City. And she trains so many people. And that's another form of her training, raising people up to work and be better than her or be just like her. That's another form of discipleship. And I keep going on and on in different ways of many of you guys hearing different stories of what you guys are doing. I've heard a story of Greg and Elijah at K8, how they invested into other people, a form of discipleship. But also we're going to see the same discipleship, but in a spirit, biblical and spiritual way in our test today. We're going to see four forms of four areas of discipleship in our test today. The first, we're going to see how Paulus is discipled by Priscilla and Aquila. They're going to take this brother to the side and pour into this brother. How they disciple him. Then we're going to see a second thing, a form of discipleship. And you're going to see new uh, disciples proclaim the gospel and baptize. One thing about disciples, they get baptized, don't they? And the third thing, we're going to see a picture of the sons of Sceva envy the miracles of Paul. 
They're going to be able to see how those misuse these certain things. They're going to be disciples to learn from Paul. What do we do when someone misuses the things of God? And the fourth thing we're going to see in discipleship, what do you do with persecution? Artemis, the statue of Artemis. What do you do with persecution? So we're going to see four things in Ephesus, in this area of Ephesians, four areas that we can learn from in discipleship. And discipleship is not all the way, it can be like intentional, or it could be unintentional. But we always are teaching somebody something, right? So let's learn what Paul, then, let's learn one form of discipleship first in verses 18, in verses 24 to 28 in chapter 18. We hear Paul now um, is, now if Paul, you, you guys remember, Paul left. And Paul went back to Jerusalem. He went back to Antioch. Then he left there, went on his third missionary trip. So he haven't made it back to Ephesus at this time yet. So what's going on in Ephesus right now is that a Jew named Apollos appears here. Apollos is a native of Alexandria. Where's Alexandria? In Egypt. It's in Africa. So this guy's from Africa and he was a Jew. And not only this place, you also had Ethiopia. We'll talk, I think we're going to talk a little bit about that later. Uh, Ethiopia. But Apollos was a Jew from Alexandria. And he was actually known by his Greek name, Apollos. He was an eloquent man, able to speak very well. When they say eloquent, it's a way word as we know as logos or logos we use, logos. But also, now this word is like logois or logois, us or logois. It's the same word as a person that is good with words. So Apollos was very eloquent. He was good with words. But also he knew the Old Testament well as, as well. He was also a believer in the Old Testament saints. Like the Old Testament saints. How they had the spirit in them. You guys know the Old Testament saints. For them the spirit was in them temporarily. Until the Holy Spirit came permanently at the New Testament believers. So he was fervent in the spirit. Fervent in being in, in throughs in the spirit. Having a zeal in the spirit we heard. So my of you guys may ask him is that if he's a believer and disciple, why he's not have the spirit right now? Why is the spirit not given to him right now? Well, how was the spirit given to people in the Old Testament? How do we understand this text? One guy, Michael Horan, talks about the spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament makes it pretty clear that the Holy Spirit came such a way upon the people that it fulfilled the request of Moses. Which was that of all people would be filled with the Spirit of God, Numbers eleven twenty nine, that had never been done in the history of redemption. But finally at Pentecost, that gift of the Spirit came upon the church. So when believers are saved in the New Testament, they are filled with the Spirit. Some were still saved like David in the Old Testament. David was saved and he, and he believed the Lord, but also with David in the Old Testament is that David didn't have the Holy Spirit on him permanently. David had a knowledge of Christ, had a knowledge of the coming of the Spirit, 
But David didn't have the spirit in him like we have the spirit in us. We have heard several times already how the spirit was given to the New Testament believers through the apostles. And well, today we don't hear the details about Apollos and the spirit, but we do know he was a believer by him getting, being fervent in the spirit. But also, we know this, this right here, his submission to God's word. He didn't know about the new covenant baptism. Only John the Baptist baptism he knew about. So Priscilla and Aquila then rebuked him as a leader in front of everyone. They pulled him to the side and explained the word more accurately. Family, that's discipleship. That's discipleship, putting someone to the side, pointing to the more accurately of the word. More things of the word. <laughs> and so he, they poured into him the word of God. And then when they poured into him, he responded well. So I am convinced is that only when Apollos and many, and we're learning about this here. Matter of fact, we learn here the next point of how does this work with the spirit? Being in the spirit, some of them, some of them not in the spirit. What does that mean, you know, for them to not be in the spirit? Just hold tight on that. We'll learn about on the second point. What does it mean for those that are disciples but still don't have the spirit in them? We're going to talk about that here shortly. But let me say this right here. Priscilla and Aquila did care for Apollos well. And look what happened after that in verse 27. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, Achaia again, that's the area of Corinth, where the Corinthian church is at. The brother encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace and had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in the public, shown by the scriptures that the Christ is Jesus. Now, Apollos goes to the Corinth to be disciple to, to be disciple even more. Priscilla and Quilla even put a word in for the disciples to, to continue pointing to him. That's how it worked in the early church. That's how church membership worked. Is that someone just didn't come in, I want to be a part of this. Someone would say, hey, we see this brother. We see this sister. We know this person. We have lived life with this person. So family, we should be asking ourselves daily, just as a Priscilla and Aquila poured into Apollos, who are we pointing to? Or are you willing to be disciples? Or who do I want to disciple in the next few weeks, a few days? But not only seeing Ephesus discipleship, but also we're going to see baptism here in Ephesus. A part of the discipleship process is one responding in the spirit and being baptized. Understanding what baptism, baptism represents. Look at point two. Paul now arrives in Ephesus now in point two, verses 19, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And he meets some more people like Apollos, who only knew about the John the Baptist baptism. At this time, John the Baptist was OG. I mean, John the Baptist, he poured into so many people. If you guys remember in John chapter 1, you guys remember Simon, John, Andrew. They were disciples of John the Baptist before they became disciples of Jesus. So John the Baptist had a lot of disciples. And even right here, we find out that these people right here were disciples of John. What happened here is that we find out 
that John the Baptist made a major impact on the believer on the believers before Christ came. But again, they didn't have the spirit in them. So they got baptized and Paul laid hands on them so they would receive the spirit. You guys remember Paul? Paul didn't baptize everybody. It said it was bad. Paul doesn't baptize everybody. It's only a few people that Paul actually baptized so no one would boast and boast. Or he won't boast in himself. Well, here we see it was many that was baptized. And after they were baptized, Paul laid hands on them so they would receive the Spirit. It was like another Pentecost. It was about 12 of them and all like Jesus' disciples. So Paul is marrying Jesus here. Then it took about 12 men with him to the synagogue and when, when there many of you rejected the gospel, they went to other places. And shared the gospel. So these guys now have the spirit in them. But at first, they knew God by the Old Testament. And I believe that these people were saved through the same Old Testament way of they've been saved. I think Apollos and the rest of them. Until the spirit came, only thing they knew was that they're looking forward to the Messiah to come. They were looking forward to him to come. You can see right here that we find out that Christ, they revealed that Christ had come then the Spirit of God is given to them. And that was so unique. Now, the New Testament believers that heard the gospel, the Spirit came on, upon them. Those that received the gospel just heard it for the first time. Yes, they get hands. Remember Cornelius? How, how Cornelius, the hands were laid on him. Him and his family, the whole household was saved. They came at that moment. But for those in the Old Testament still believing in John, for them, the Spirit didn't come upon them until they met the New Testament gospel. When the New Testament gods reached them, they went everywhere. They went to the lecture hall of Tanias. Not sure what lecture hall was used for in the past. Some suggested with the form of the Epicurean teachings, freeing oneself from emotions. But not sure. But Paul used the lecture room to proclaim the gospel. But not only in the halls of Tanias heard the gospel, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So the Jew and the Greeks responded to the word. Now, the third point we see here, another, another form of discipleship. Now we're going to see the sons of Sceva envy the miracles of Paul. But also now there's the opposition in Ephesus. You see, all this stuff is happening in Ephesus right now. Brothers didn't have a spirit. Paul laid hands on them. They're they baptized. We also found out about Apollos, not understanding that Christ has come. That he was eventually uh, um, taught more of the word of God. All these things are working in Ephesus at this time. But now we run into another situation. As Paul did miracles, it was some that were jealous and invoked the name of Jesus. They were the seven sons of Sceva. The Spirit responded. Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? Even the demons didn't recognize these sons of Sceva as true witness of the Lord. They want to steal the same miracle, do the same thing what Paul was doing, was doing. But even the demons didn't recognize him. The demon looked at him as a joke. Even the woman actually was dealing with Lydia, the woman that actually had the, was possessed, she actually recognized and said, well, this man Paul is the one that was a preacher of Christ. She was able to recognize that. And these guys here are sons of Sceva for them. They're not able to recognize it. We're not able to have these things. 
Just remind me earlier, you guys remember when we talked about Simon Magus? Trying to pay for the benefits of the miracles? Family, we can't mock God. We can't use God's gifts to be able to, to use them for selfish benefits. So listen to what happened next in verse 16, chapter 19. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them. So they fled out of their house naked and wounded. That would have been a sight to see, right? And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greek, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord was Jesus was their soul. Man, that would be an amazing sight to see the baby to see the spirit going upon them now. It reminds me of the picture of the when Jesus did the miracle when all the, uh, the, the, the uh, when he cast the demons out of the, the man of, from the grave and all the demons went into the pigs. Now all of them goes into these people here. It's another picture is that again, these apostles are continuing the acts of Jesus. So they, so it goes on saying, and they, this became known to all the rest of the Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic art brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they continued, they counted the value of them and found that it came to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. We even see there, here, the miracles were performed in Ephesus and the word of God still prevailed again. Paul and the gospel is shaking Ephesus up, isn't it? And the last thing we see here in Ephesus, now point number four, another picture of Paul is preaching bringing persecution over Artemis. Paul lets us know that he desires to go to Rome eventually, he tells us right there in 2141. Rome is like the capital of the world at this time. So Paul sent Timothy away again, but this time with Aratus. But Paul stayed in Ephesus preaching the gospel. And it was no little disturbing in Ephesus by the disciples. So the people were responding to the gospel left and right. One guy named Demetrius. He's a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis. He was a popular person. So he brought together an entire group to try to stop the gospel from spreading. Because the people started to leave their jobs and responsibility in uh, related to Artemis. So Artemis is this statue. This amazing statue, one of the seven wonders of the world. And so people would do a lot of things to take care of this statue. But what happened was, many people that was doing things and relating to the statue... They heard the gospel. They responded to the gospel. And they stopped playing his allegiance to this Artemis. So Demetrius is like, we will be out of business if we let Paul continue drawing people away from us. Right now, most of these people are working toward the temple and making money off the temple. But as they hear the gospel, many of them are leaving away from the temple. So Demetrius is like, we got to stop Paul from preaching this gospel. If we do, we're not going to have money. We're not going to be able to pay homage to this temple, to this Artemis. So what happened to the people? They want to shut the, they want to shut the gospel down. 
that want to shut the, the gospel from going, play, uh, going forward. So the people got so mad and yelled out to Paul, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And it got so bad, they grabbed Gaius and Artisticus and the, the Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. They grabbed them, hold of them. And Paul wanted to go in to help. That's a true teaching there. Again, Paul's OG, y'all. Paul jumps in there wanting to help them at this time. But the disciples, the disciples would not let him go in, knowing that he could possibly be killed. So Paul cared for the disciples so much that uh, the Asiarchs urged Paul not to go into the theater. And a Jew named Alexander tried to calm everybody down, but they didn't listen to him because he was a Jew. And when the unbelievers didn't get their way with Christians, normally what they do in the past, even with Jesus. You guys remember when they arrested Jesus? The Jews couldn't get what they wanted to get out of them. What did they do to Jesus? What did they take him to? They took him to the city civil officials, to the Roman government. This is the game they play. If they want to stop the gospel, they use anything they can use to stop the gospel. And they do the same thing, the same tactics in the past what Jews normally do. Or if now, now the Gentiles are doing this now. What do they want to do? They want to take Paul before the civil magistrates. They try to use the civil officials against the church. But it normally backfires against them like in the past. Listen to verse 35. And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of Ephesians is the temple keeper of the great Artemis? And a sacred stone that fell from the sky. Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither scourges nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls, let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today. So there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he has said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Family, God spared their life again. Now he even used civil officials for it. And at this time, you brought anything to Rome government. The Roman government was pretty brutal on how to deal with those that reject the laws of Rome. Another thing, too, if Roman Caesar or Rome Caesar or the, the emperor of Rome, if they find out that that rioting is going on, the civil master would get in trouble. So the civil master, hey, let's calm this down before they get back to Rome for anything can happen. And I get in trouble for this. So they said, right now, you guys are causing a big deal out of this. This should be settled right here within you guys. Because what are the gospel of Christians doing? What is Paul doing? Paul is preaching the gospel. Turn from your sins. Turn to Christ. He's not forcing them to be Christians. But I tell you about this world. This world hates the gospel. 
no matter how gentle you are with it, no matter how much you try to carefully pronounce or proclaim the gospel, there will always be those that are going to be hostile towards the gospel. So as we sum up today, we learned four things today in the, in the form of discipleship in Ephesus. It's good to pull people to the side and share the gospel with them or disciple them and show them how to read the Bible. Show them the ways of God in the scriptures. Also, it's, it's good also to, to encourage others. It's probably never been baptized, but believe in Christ. Also teaching them also how to proclaim the word like Paul did. Well, number three, we saw that also saw people how to misuse God's word. We shouldn't misuse God's word. In point number four, we saw Paul preaching, bring persecution over our mess. Preaching the gospel. People are not going to want to let go of their idols in this world. They're going to want to hold on to idols in this world. So family, I hope you was encouraged today was that a church, a church with people that are committed to the church, a person, people that are or giving their lives to this work. Family, we can play in all aspects of this. Pull people to the side. We can encourage those to be baptized. Hearing babies now, and babies earlier, a couple of babies said they want to be baptized. Then hearing also others are encouraging them to proclaim the word. And also teaching people about, you know, not listening to false gospels. Not misusing God's word. And also encouraging others that persecution won't happen. I told a young man today that wanted to be baptized. I said, you know, following after Jesus will be hard. But I said, it's so worth it. Because you got to let go of your idols. So family, let this be us as a people. Let this be us as a church that we walk out these things together. Encouraging one another. Building one another up together. Let us love one another through these things. Let us learn from the church of Ephesus. Not only the good things, the bad things. Let us learn all these things from the church of Ephesus for us to be a faithful church. A church that loves our community. It's a beautiful picture today. See how we stay here and just continue loving on those that came here this morning. Let us continue in that. Let us continue in God's word. Let me end with a couple of applications here. God's wisdom is for all of us to be discipled by someone. Yes, we are disciples through the preaching, right? You guys are being disciples right now. You're hearing God's word preach. You are sitting, you're learning. You are being disciples under the preaching of the word. When we sing God's word, what are we doing when we're singing? We sing God truth back to each other. We sing God truth, encouraging one another to hold on to God's truth. Singing is a form of discipleship. But also, should we should be seeking to disciples of the privately. If you're not being discipled by someone, reach out to me. I would love to encourage someone to disciple you. But everyone needs to be discipled by someone. And as you get discipled and go through it, I don't know, I don't, you might have been a believer for the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. But if you haven't had someone to one-on-one -on -one disciple and hold you accountable, you miss out on so much. So no matter what age you are, find someone, it don't matter if they might be younger. Or they might be older.
Find someone that can pour God's word into you so you can go do the same thing after they pour God's word into you. So please find someone. Again, if you're interested in discipleship, reach out to me. I would love to try to find someone to pour into you. Number two, don't be quick to downplay people that might not know the scriptures like you. Some people, they might only know that Jesus died for their sins. And they believe they died for their sins. That's probably the only thing they know. That Jesus is, is their only hope, hope, their only help. We shouldn't downplay them. And say they're not a believer because they don't know all these things in theology. But what we should be doing, we should be grabbing them and putting them to the side and walking God's word through with them. I remember when I was being when I was in college, I'd never been disciple. I struggled in applying God's word. I knew he died on the cross for my sin, but I still struggled. But someone eventually pulled me to the side and invested into me. And I still struggled, but now I was starting to understand God's word more clearly. So don't count people out, but be willing to invest into them. Guys, if you guys meet young ladies that want to be disciples, find a young lady in the church. Ask them if they're interested in discipling this person. Young ladies, you might have a family member or friend that might need to be disciple. Find someone. Uh, find a brother in the church to be able to disciple that brother. Application point number three. God will expose false healers and teachers. Those that misuse God's word, God will expose them. We don't have to spend all day in our lives trying to find out how many false teachers are there in the world. We can trust the Lord to remove them from us. So family, let us be intentional to understanding the gospel so we can be able to identify false gospels. But let us be faithful in the gospel. Point number four. Lastly, you will be persecuted in the Christian faith. Following after Jesus, you will be persecuted. So what I say for you, to be steadfast, removable, immovable, in trying times. Be faithful in those times. Things will be hard at times, but be faithful. You saw what happened here in Ephesus with Artemis, how God used the same city of civil official that would normally judge Christians. God used the enemies of the Christians to protect the Christians. Family, he do that today. We have so many benefits within our county here. Or then the liberties of America. We have so many different liberties. Many people that are not even Christians are still fighting for our cause as Christians. How does it work? God even turned our enemies around to bless us. So we don't have to be afraid. But persecution is coming. Persecution is always around us. But God will bring us through it. So family, let us be encouraged today. Let me pray for us.